Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stompcast. It's part two. We're in Hyde Park. You know what? We didn't even do the grounding techniques or anything. We just dived straight into it because I think we were we were excited to get going. So, um, everyone, I hope you're doing well. Take a moment, have a have a little breathe, have a sip of that coffee or warm tea, whatever you've got. If you wander outside and enjoy the next twenty minutes or so of this part with Ella. How are you feeling? Good? I'm feeling so good. Do you feel um, limbered up and good to go, furthering our stomping? Really limbered up. I think we were just saying in part one, weren't we, that it's just, even if it's five minutes, 20 minutes, and I have to be a massive hike, that moment outside yeah. is just it's unbelievable. Just enjoy it, guys. So just, and also be proud of yourselves, the stompers. You know, you've gone outside, you've taken a moment to think about your own health, you're, you're going for a little walk, you've already achieved something. Going back to one that point I said, like, going to the gym is a success, going out of the door is a success. So. Well done, you. I'd like to dive back. I mean, I, I, I've listened. I mean, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I listen to your podcasts. Um, you've been a guest on a lot of big podcast platforms and things. So I've heard some of your story. But I wonder for for those that maybe haven't heard about your health condition, could you share it? Because I think there's two reasons I want to ask you. First of all, to raise awareness. Secondly, because I think it. it raises that point that you often don't know what other people are living with or experiencing and what's happening in their lives and I think that plays an important part in health and how maybe we approach our own and other people's health as well. Oh my gosh I couldn't agree with you more on that second point which is that you know we never ever know what other people are going through and you know often people won't tell us because they're not comfortable talking about it or often it's not necessarily their story to tell Um, but it still has a deep effect and I think that's this need for more general compassion it kind of yeah I couldn't state it more but for me personally it was um, I guess it was just quite an unexpected for want of a better word journey so I I was never particularly interested in health and well-being um, kind of really took it for granted to be honest with you and then when I was at the end of my second year of university so this was 2011 um, kind of out of nowhere, I got really, really ill and I spent the rest of that year in and out of hospitals and I saw neurologists and gastroenterologists and endocrinologists and I had MRIs and swallowed cameras and had colonoscopies and endoscopies and literally kind of, you name it, I got it. And, That's a lot um, to go through that age, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you're just, it's a hard age anyway, mm. your early 20s, isn't it? Because I think you're really trying to understand who you are in the world. And then obviously this was quite a curveball. And they, no one could get to the bottom of what was wrong initially. And then I was eventually diagnosed with a condition called postural tachycardia syndrome, which is, um, is a dysfunctioning of your autonomic nervous system. So all these things that should be happening naturally and automatically, like controlling your heart rate or your blood pressure, things to do with your circulation, your digestion, basically for want of a better word, and I apologise for saying this to a doctor, it was all out of whack, like everything was just completely out of sync. So 
my heart rate would be in the 50s when I was sitting down and then I would stand up and it'd be about 180, 190 within seconds and your blood pressure could plummet at the same time and um, within that you get incredibly dizzy and can pass out and so you kind of yeah you can't really walk around and then I had really chronic digestive problems so I looked more pregnant when I was unwell than when I was about six seven months pregnant with my daughter always 24 7 no matter what I did I'd have allergic reactions to pretty much everything I do remember one quite dark day of understanding whether I was allergic just to all foods at this point out of nowhere um yes and then I had constant migraines brain fog chronic fatigue um I had continuous UTI infections um that became bladder infections so I spent almost three years continuously the longest break I had was 72 hours on antibiotics oh my gosh um had to go into hospital for antibiotic drips and then taking steroids and beta blockers and yeah kind of you name it and basically nothing was working I was in constant pain on my whole body and I just assumed that they all repurposed drugs no one told me that they would definitely work Mm. everyone was very clear on day one like it's a relatively new illness relatively not well understood some of these drugs work really well for some patients some of them do nothing whatsoever some of them create side effects that make things worse try it but I just assumed it would work and and I when it didn't this was kind of mid early 2012 when it was quite clear that nothing had really changed Mm. really I mean some things were a little bit better and then some things were a little bit worse so kind of back where it started and it was just I think I'd lived in this kind of mode of total apathy of really struggling to accept it and feeling just so alien from everybody around me that I didn't want to talk to them about it and I think I really because I had such bad physical health I really struggled to admit that you know I was struggling to the extent that I was with my mental health so I didn't talk to anyone about it and I just hit this moment where I realized that I think I kind of finally took an ownership of the fact that the trajectory that I was on wasn't a trajectory Mm. that I wanted to stay on and clearly what I was doing wasn't working and I was so desperate for someone else to give me the solution and and then when they couldn't I felt so hopeless Um, and it was at that point that I became very interested in lifestyle and in diet and to be honest it just felt like I had absolutely nothing whatsoever to lose in trying to make some changes um but I really knew nothing at this point absolutely nothing but I was very inspired by all these stories I was reading of people all around the world with all sorts of different conditions who'd improved them or in some cases kind of completely relieved them through various different facets of their diet and their lifestyle and as I said I just felt I had nothing to lose other than to try it um so he said about learning to cook and meditate and kind of change my life around and and I mean it was so slow like I can't emphasize that enough and it was kind of you get a little bit better and then a bit worse Mm. a bit better and a bit worse and you know it was kind of three to four years before I felt I was able to whatever normal is kind of and you can you come off the medication at this point after about two and a half years yeah not until I felt yes not until yeah I was stable enough to Mm -hmm. do that definitely not um and you know I've had symptoms come up since and there are various different things that can kind of flare it up but on Mm. a day-to-day basis it's kind of completely managed which isn't something that I ever 
thought I would really be able to get to, but it's what created this kind of real passion to just, I felt that a lot of what I was doing was relatively simple, whether it was just a simple recipe, like an easy veggie stir fry, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm going to share this. I think other people could make this, maybe it would make a difference to their life. And that's what sort of fueled this passion. And started the whole movement. Yeah. So what, what just as kind of, in terms of like the changes you made with the diet, what kind of, what were the kind of fundamental changes that you had made? Like what was your diet like before and what did it change to? I don't going to zoom in specifics, but yeah, just as course, I didn't really think about my diet before mm. is the honest answer. Yeah. I feel like I ate, like a, you know, it was, I think in retrospect, probably a very ultra processed diet, but I wasn't, I really wasn't thinking about it. And I would just kind of grab whatever I got. When I got it, I wasn't really thinking about eating fruits and veggies and things like that. And I probably was eating very little of them um, but I know that you know that's very normal I don't say that with any judgment like everyone's very very busy it's making healthier choices what we eat is not an easy thing to do so the main thing that I did was I changed eating you know and it really came from just cooking loads eating a you know a very whole food focused diet where it was just all about you know trying to get your 10 portions of fruit and veggies a day and now that my health stabilized I don't need to do it in quite the same way but at this point it was really trying about just cooking very and it was very simple but very simple very fresh food moving to a plant-based diet and I I think that a plant-based diet is amazing but I don't think that a fully plant-based diet is the right thing for everybody I don't think that I think we could all benefit from going to a more of a plant-rich diet and the benefits of of that but I don't again I just think trying to tell anyone to do anything 100% of the time is largely at points counterproductive. I mean you talk about this where it's kind of you've got to think about diet for you not just diet as in like it, it's it we're all going back to what we said earlier on we're all different and our needs are, are different and like I mean, actually me and abby my sister we were talking the other day like i personally often don't have breakfast at all i feel sick about breakfast quite yeah. often whereas abby feels that she'll pass out if she doesn't have breakfast we're just two people we're not abby would say we're very different ages but <laughs> we're not too dissimilar uh, in age and there's there's two people that we do very similar we work together all the time we have similar movements similar patterns of waking because we work together and one person feels sick if they have breakfast the other person can't go through their day without breakfast but it speaks perfectly doesn't it to what we spoke about in in the first part of this which is that there's just this very kind of generalized clickbaity advice around like intermittent fasting will change your life you know don't ever eat breakfast again and then the next day it's breakfast the most important meal of the day this is what you need to have for breakfast and it just becomes incredibly confusing as opposed to as you said like trying to be a bit more in tune with your body and like how does that make me feel does that make me feel good does that not make me feel so good maybe I could change this or try that and I I do I feel very passionately about that that I think I, I just think anything that's overly prescriptive overly putting anything in a box doesn't last and we have to change from thinking about quick fixes to thinking about our health as something that serves us for the next 50 60 70 80 years you know and I think if you start to think about okay if I started doing this today could I keep this up for the next 10 years 20 years 30 years and I think with a lot of health things the answer is no yeah you know whereas actively deciding okay I'm going to try a few new recipes this week or I'm going to make an effort to batch cook once a week to have some easy packed lunches. That feels like something you probably could do. Yeah. Not necessarily every week, yeah. but 
that doesn't feel and it's insane. got it's got to feel and I, and i'm thinking i've been thinking about this a lot at the moment because i've and a 31 days alcohol free i stopped drinking i saw that this uh, morning on instagram Congratulations. <laughs> thank you so much which, how does it feel good actually the only thing that is still unsettled and hasn't improved is my sleep mm. um, a lot of people say when they 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 kind of stop consuming alcohol that they don't sleep well because we talk about the acute feelings of drinking alcohol so feeling maybe tips you're drunk when you when you're drinking and then having a hangover but we often don't talk about the chronic effects so we know that even moderate drinking so you know five six pints a week that can have a long-term effect on your brain on your neurochemistry on your synapses the function in your sleep and it takes quite a long time for that to reverse so my sleep has been a bit unsteady i think the adhd, ADHD might be playing into that i don't know but in general, I feel so much more energised and positive and good. And I think the big thing that I've, and I know there's a few caveats I'd say, you know, I've stopped drinking on sober from position. I'm not addicted to alcohol. It's a lifestyle choice rather than that I'm addicted. So I don't speak mm. on behalf of those who suffer with addiction. That wouldn't uh, be right. But for me, the thing that I found really helpful about this health decision, if you like, is that I've tried to look at it as adding to my life, not taking away from. Mm. So I think whenever you're trying to make a change to your diet or food, as soon as you start seeing it as a restrictive thing, i.e. it's making your life worse or removing yourself from pleasure or Or you necessarily in that instance, for example, say, I will never do this again. Yeah. You know, I will never eat that thing again. Yeah. It's like almost dangling it in front yeah. of yourself as opposed to, as you said, like, you know what, today I'm going to choose this food because it's going to give me loads of energy because I've got a really important day at work and I want to feel my best. And that's such a, such a different mindset. Yeah, but it, that's so true. It's coming to a mindset of kindness, isn't it? And I don't mean to sound like overly trite in that, but it is. That's a, yeah. a self-awareness and a self-compassion and making choices from that. And I think... And also, that's very point, similar to choosing, a, you know, about drinking, the, isn't it? The it's point like, about forever is, is the interesting one as well. So people, keep, people have asked, and it comes from a very nice place. So I don't, I don't, I'm not casting judgment when people have asked this question because it's an easy one to ask at the time and people are interested about your goals. But people go, oh, you know, are you going to give up drinking forever? Mm. And I'm like, well, you tell me how long forever is and I'll tell you if I'm giving up drinking for that long. Right now, it doesn't serve me and I want to assess my relationship with it in many ways in similar ways people might want to assess their relationship with food yeah and step back and think about what they might add in or take out or just even just be mindful of eating and just think about like when i eat this how do i feel exactly it's the same with alcohol it's the same with anything in life anything in your life that you have a relationship with which basically means anything you engage with in your life whether that's a personal food or habit or work or otherwise i think having some awareness of that relationship with that thing is only going to benefit you, isn't it, and your health and your happiness. But I mean, it's, you know, I think, and, and you may agree or may disagree, but I think making those changes is really hard. Yes. And I think it's so easy. You know, we've had a lot of stress in our lives over the last few years, and neither my husband nor I choose to drink very much because both of us find that it can really spike our anxiety, and we're probably already slightly overwired nervous systems at the moment. And so we try to kind of be quite aware of that but I remember there was one day I rang him six months ago he'd been out the evening before with some friends and probably had like three cocktails which for me as someone that doesn't really drink very much is a, is a yeah, lot of alcohol and stuff, yeah. exactly and I felt you know I felt really really low really teary really anxious really worried and I called him and I said I think there's something really wrong you know I'm really worried about this mindset you know I haven't felt this bleak I can't even remember what, how long and he was just like just remember you know you chose to have a drink last night 
And it's not, I don't say that to judge anyone who does it, but I think it's just this interesting lesson, whether it's through alcohol, whether it's through something else, of this self-awareness. He was like, I don't actually think that you're struggling with yeah. depression at the moment, to be completely honest with you, because I've seen you, <laughs> you know, every day, and I, yeah, I don't yeah. think that's the pattern that you're in. I think you're just reacting to the fact that you've yeah. drunk quite a lot last night but you've drunk every night almost for the last like two weeks because we'd been out a lot and hadn't done that in months and months and months and months and months and my body was obviously then really feeling it but I think it's just this interesting thing of trying to be more aware of our habits and the effect that they have on every facet of our health. Yeah it's true isn't it and sometimes because the thing is for example with alcohol is that you know, alcohol and its effects your brain are very clever. It kind of tricks you into thinking it's everything but that. Mm, exactly. You're thinking about, oh, it's what I ate last night, or, you know, uh, oh, it's, you know, my life's all to pot or whatever Well, it and is. it's almost trying to externalise the solution, isn't it? Because yeah, I think true. we often can get that's to true. that point where we think, and, it, you know, it could be alcohol, it could be after other things. You know, I know I felt it, and it felt quite low the last two months of 2022. And I had completely stopped exercising. I was so busy that I just, and then I said I didn't have time for it, but I definitely could have made 10 minutes. And I noticed myself being a bit grumpier, a bit moodier, a bit snappier. And it's so easy to try and say, oh, it's because of this, or it's because of that, or it's because of the next thing. And to be completely honest, I think it was, I wasn't really taking kind of massive responsibility for looking after myself on a day-to-day basis. And I was, it was actually a lot easier to say, oh, it's work's fault, or it's this person's fault for putting a different meeting in my diary than it is to say, but I still find 10 minutes. And, I, you know, I just, I, I only say that not because I've got it all sus by any means, but because I think that internalising the solution, cultivating that self-awareness and then making the changes accordingly yeah. is really hard. I really like that. I mean, I go on about this when I go, I do a lot of talks at schools and universities and also even actually when I'm talking on, like, say, a political level about mental health and making changes, that without self-awareness, without a awareness of a problem, you can't fix it. And I think sometimes we try and fix problems without being aware of why they're happening. Yeah, I think all without going to the root of what's happening, you know, looking at, you know, if you don't have those foundations, you know, sleep, stress management, movement, you know, vaguely good nutrition, it's really hard to have good physical and mental health. And that, you know, I think it's a fact that sometimes we don't really want to accept. Because yeah. it's much easier to eat a lot of junk food and not move and just watch a lot of TV instead. And, and I in, do in, not in say that, that with compa- And in that, there is actually some self-compassion as well, isn't there? It's like, don't be so hard on yourself. Also, the other thing is, it's, it's hard to have good mental health. It's almost, I'd say, impossible to always have good mental health. Literally impossible. How can you feel good all the In fact, it'd be, I say to people like... You know, I think some things that we expect in modern society is always to feel good, get up and feel fantastic. If you were smiling and laughing when you've just lost a family member the whole time, that would be odd. You wouldn't want to do that. You want to express, like, all of your range of emotions have a purpose. Sadness, happiness, feelings of grief, excitement, you know, joy. All these different things have their own roles. They're all equally important. So if you lose a loved one, you want to feel grief because that grief is what processes the healing. And if we, we know what happens when we suppress grief say through alcohol or through avoidance or you're just burying and internalizing and it comes out in illness it might come up in a physical illness it could come out with a mental health illness so we kind of need to feel bad sometimes don't totally. we totally and also i think it's we've got a lot in our control probably more i think than we often tell ourselves on a moment mm. by moment basis but none of us ever know what's going to happen in our lives like we literally haven't got a clue 
what's happening in five minutes from now. Yeah. Chances are it will be okay. But we, I think everyone's have lived experiences of the worst moments of their lives, of the kind of depths of hell that life can take you to at moments. And it's not the case. And, and I think it's just that, therefore, again, it's that compassion that that is going to happen. That is part of life. You can't live however many decades on this planet and not experience that. But how can you, I guess, create foundations to try and support yourself in a kind way to somehow keep moving through and keep putting one foot in front of the other. But I think this idea of expecting things to be easy all the time is one of the things we almost get most wrong because that's just not how life works. And sometimes it's huge life-altering moments or losses and sometimes it's just the simplicity of like a very hectic moment or like poorly children keeping you up all night you know it's kind of it's just the like mundane bits of it but again I think if we don't have if we can't kind of plant the seeds to create ways of looking after ourselves and knowing ourselves in the good times it's almost impossible to do anything to look after yourself that's certainly been my experience in the bad times that's great advice. As we as we come to the end of part two, I'd like to ask you to kind of share your thoughts or any advice you have to anyone that's experiencing a chronic illness of any kind, mental or physical. Because, you know, I, what struck me when you talked about a time at university, if you don't mind me saying, you're a young woman at that time, you're getting to know yourself. And it's hard enough doing that in this world that's really weird, quite frankly, yeah. let alone adding in something that is scary and not understood and you're having doctors telling you I don't know we don't have all the answers what would you say to people who and there's a lot of people that live with chronic illnesses what would you say to them in terms of getting through and just how to kind of survive I guess how to get through it all totally I guess I guess there's maybe two things off the top of my head I think the first is in retrospect the thing that I got so wrong was um not embracing any facet of vulnerability I used it as a kind of stick to beat myself with I think subconsciously but it's definitely what I did and I already had quite low self-esteem um very low self-esteem I think actually and it kind of I almost used this as a justification for being rubbish you know for no one wanting to be your friend for not fitting in for people not liking you and I used it as an excuse almost in so many ways to just completely retreat from the world. And, you know, I couldn't do what most of my friends could do. I couldn't go out. I couldn't, you know, have a drink. I couldn't travel. I, could, I couldn't do so many things. That's, that, that was a fact. But I could have been open and let people come and see me and sit on the sofa with them. You know, I, I could have done so much more and I think I would have felt so much better if I'd done that but I think the the alienation and this kind of not allowing people to help me and let me and let them in because I felt that I was so alien and so different was and kind of hiding everything away you know I remember my dad saying you know you're you know you're also depressed you need to go and see someone I just couldn't I couldn't listen I just couldn't have someone tell me that was one more thing. Like I just, I was full of feeling I was so faulty that I just couldn't. I, I literally, and you know, I, he sent me to see the therapist. I, I wouldn't even talk to her basically. And you know, at this point I was so, we live next to a train station and I, I would just, you know, and I, I appreciate it comes to trigger warning. I know you've been through such, mm -hmm. such mm -hmm. a huge loss. No, no, and, no, but I just fine. mean that I, 
I just didn't care if yeah. I was on the train line. Like I just didn't care to live anymore. And I, I didn't ever plan to do anything right. about that. But you that was suicidal ideation. Basically, yeah, I just, just didn't care. It was just like if the house was on fire, I don't know if I'd stand up. Yeah. I just didn't care anymore. Wow. I was just completely and it was the numbness. And I didn't really realize that that could be part of depression because I just couldn't hear it. I just couldn't take any more help. And I just didn't want to talk to people about it. So I didn't tell any of my friends what had happened. I just stopped talking to them. It's, it's, a, it's a really good point and thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people think of depression as sitting in the corner crying and saying that they feel sad. Depression can also be anger. And I didn't feel sad. Depression could feel being numb. Depression can, can feel wanting to do um, a pour yourself into one thing all the time to draw your mind away. Depression can be overworking. It doesn't, I think there are so many connotations that even the word depressed, just like, oh, you're sat depressed in the corner. Yeah. Google images are funny. Google depression, someone sat in the corner crying. Well, you think Grace of Bridget Gale. Jones, you yes. know, drinking wine on the sofa in her pajamas yes. crying. You know what I mean? And I was, I just had an extreme form of apathy and it wasn't, it was a numbness. It was, anyway, so that was it. I would just, I think my life would have been infinitely better. And I think I would have gone to a much less dark place if I had let people in. And, you know, when I first started Delicious Ale, I, I did then sh share the story and I shared why I was doing this and seeing if it would help and why I was cooking these recipes. And I started to have people, and they were complete strangers, and I actually felt a lot more comfortable with that to begin with, reach out and talk about their own experiences with their health or anything similar. And it was the most cathartic thing in the world because I felt like I was actually being myself again. And I felt I could kind of recognise parts of myself in that. And that connection was kind of, I think, fundamental. You know, and we know that now, this huge connection between our brains, obviously, and our bodies. And I don't think that I was helping myself by completely removing myself from the, from the world. Finding a sense of purpose and connection certainly helped me, I think, in a completely 360 way with getting better, not, in a, not to oversimplify it, but I think it gave me more motivation, help me find some kind of excitement for the day. And then obviously we know, you know, like good emotions in our brains can have good impacts on our, on our bodies as well. So I think, that, I think that was the main thing was just to, you know, we all, we should normalize the messiness of life and, you know, to go literally full circle back to the beginning. Like I think wellness is there to help you build tools to be happier and to have more energy and a better immune system and feel more ready for the world, not to have a six pack. And, I think part of that is fostering this connection, being open and honest, because we all go through difficult times, whether it's with our physical health, our mental health, with people around us or with ourselves. And so I wish I had just been able to normalize that because now I speak to people all the time and they're like, yes, I went through this really difficult period or this period or that period. And it's like, it's so much more human than we allow it to be. And the point of wellness isn't to look a certain way, it's to help us all get through these things and we're going to all need that in our lives well i think you're extremely inspiring i mean that you know and i'd say to to anyone i'm certain a lot of people will feel really connected by what you've said and anyone that's home that's struggling with a chronic chronic illness or a long-term illness whatever you want to call it don't feel that you know you have to have shame about having a mental connection or struggle with that illness because you know one of the things I'm most passionate about is that we shouldn't separate f physical and mental health it's probably one of the most stupid things mm. we've done in, in medicine I think is separating going oh that's physical health that's mental health the last time I checked your heads are connected to your body and most of the bits in between are connected so exactly. and we'll talk a little bit about the gut uh, gut brain axis I think in the third part just to kind of exemplify that but you know don't feel shame in that you know like it's, it's you know, when life's hard for whatever reason you're allowed to feel bad mm. um, so, and also yeah. you don't always have to define yourself by it no. and I think 
that would be my kind of closing mm. thought on this, which is that I really allowed myself to be defined by that. I was an ill person. I was a faulty person. I wasn't the same as everybody else. And I took a long... I think when you start to define yourself as something, it's really hard to... Absolutely. I think it, it just puts more barriers in place. And there's, you know, I remember people suggesting trying different things and sort of thinking, I won't try it because it won't work because I am ill. Yeah. As opposed to just thinking, this is where I am right now. This is the chapter I'm in. You know, I don't think denial is helpful either. Um, and that's certainly how I live to begin with. But I think, you know, you can have acceptance, but trying to have acceptance that this is where you are today, it doesn't mean that's where you're going to be a decade later. And, and for people who have... Uh you know people who have you know young people in your lives and things i think just be careful about labels as well because i often hear people saying like dyslexic child or mm. dyslexic children or whatever you're a child with dyslexia you're a person with something you're not the other thing first and i think exactly. that it's, it's such an important thing because that labeling sinks so incredibly uh deep i mean a classic one in medicine terms we always well so we i, I don't use that and it's certainly anymore but we say like diabetic patient mm. You're a person, man or woman, with diabetes. <laughs> so words do matter. Guys, thank you so much for coming to the end of part two. It's been another fantastic uh, chapter of our walk. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we will be back for part three, well, in a few moments. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 